So last week, uh, Father James preached, and he made a point to avoid preaching on John chapter 6, because uh, it was just uh, too confusing or what have you. And I thought I would learn from my elders and thought, man, if that's too much for Father James, who am I to follow in his footsteps and try and add something to it? So Father Alex, if you'd like to take it on next week, it is all yours, because we have two more weeks of John chapter 6. Uh, but uh, Father James talked about how God is faithful to us despite our unfaithfulness. And because of that, uh, because of his faithfulness that we saw to the people in Israel through, through the manna, we can trust that everything will be okay. And that is such a true and such a good thing that we all need to hear at all times, but especially right now. And as I read through our passages this week, the passage in Deuteronomy really stuck out to me, kind of as a follow-up to to that. Father James talked about uh, how it's true that God is faithful despite our unfaithfulness, and that because of that, everything is going to be okay. What I want to talk about this week is how we can know that, that, that it's true, how that can go from something that's in our heads to something that's in our hearts. Uh, because it's easy for us to go into our week. School starts on Wednesday for lots of us. So if you're a parent and Thursday comes, and for the second day in a row you're struggling to get your kids out the door, it might be easy to lose sight of what James was talking about. Or if you're a student and you're going back to school, you get to go back to your friends at school, but you also get to go back to the drama at school. And it might be easy to lose sight of that, as you go back to school, or maybe it's just Monday morning and you're going through the interminable meeting that you have each week, and it's easy to lose sight of these important truths. But as the Psalm says, we want to taste and see these things. God wants this to be an experience of our lives, not just something that we articulate. So the question for us is how can we know in our hearts that because of God's faithfulness, everything will be okay. Some of us from COVID or other circumstances may feel like the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness, waiting to come out on the other side. And in that interim, how can we continue to trust God in our hearts? So our passage from Deuteronomy uh, comes as Israel is knocking on the door of the promised land. They had just defeated the first two kings of of the land and they're almost on the bank of the River Jordan about to go in. They can see the end in sight. That is what is happening in these people. They're not out of the wilderness yet, but they can see it. They're waiting for it. And the larger structure of Deuteronomy is that of a covenant uh, and it's, if you, the scholars have looked at it and said, wow, this resembles very well the covenants that ancient nations would make with one another, a more powerful nation with a less p- powerful one. But this one, the more powerful nation here is God, who's making his covenant with his people, Israel. And this passage kind of falls in the part of that larger promise where Moses has already talked about the history that has led up to this, and now he's getting to the general principles of this covenant. And right before in chapter 7, he talked about, here's, here's how you can faithfully move into and take this land. 
And now here in chapter eight, he's talking about here's how you can faithfully live in this land. And our passage is really half of this passage of chapter eight. The first half looks at Israel's time in the wilderness. And essentially, if you were to boil it down to a sentence, it's how can the trial of the wilderness lead to a blessing? And the second half of this chapter, which we won't read, is essentially how can the blessing of the promised land lead to a trial? So we're gonna focus on that first part Uh, how the wilderness was a trial but brought a blessing as we ask how can this help us to know not abstractly but in our hearts God's faithfulness to us. So as we look at this passage I want to suggest that this passage teaches us that God's past faithfulness empowers our present obedience to a future hope. God's past faithfulness empowers our present obedience, empowers our present trust in an experiential way and a future hope of God's goodness. So first, our present obedience and how it aims at a future hope. This passage begins with Moses telling the people to keep the law. He says in verse one, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do. Why? He goes on to say, be careful to do this so that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to your fathers. Moses gives them a purpose, a reason for obeying, a reason for trusting. He said that following God's command points us to good things. Now it's important to remember this is not good things as we define it. It's not health and wealth or whatever's on our Christmas list or birthday wish list right now. It's the good things that God has promised. It says how he has swore this land to to their fathers. The obedience will lead to something that God has been working for so, so long. And this might challenge how we see the commandments of God. It's easy for us to see them as perhaps as a checklist to merit God's love or as a way that tells us we are not good enough. But the framing that Moses gives here is that the commandments are intended to help us live into the goodness that God has for us. Not that they will help us earn his love, not that they will help us deserve the goodness, but they help us live in his good ways. And this is different than we might see the commandments if we were to be honest. It's easy for us to see them as a straitjacket that restricts our freedom or as a shock collar that punishes our missteps. Or maybe it's easy for some of us to see the commandments as an old relic of a bygone age that has little applicability to us here and now. But what this suggests in the first verse here is that the commandments point us to something good in in the future. In some ways, it's like the owner's manual of a car that says this is how the car is designed. And if you handle the car in these ways, it will enable you to enjoy the goodness that you have received in this car. And so this first part begs us to ask ourselves, How do we see God's commandments? Do we see them or opportunities to trust God here and now as something that points us to God's goodness for us that he has promised? But 
Moses does not end there, because if we're honest, it's easy for most of us to think, well, I believe that sometimes, but maybe not all the time. Or maybe I just don't believe it at all. So Moses goes on to not just talk about the, the laws, but the law giver. He invites the people of Israel to look back on the person who gave them these laws. And, and, and this is where we see that we are empowered by God's faithfulness in the past. God's past faithfulness empowers our present faithfulness. Moses says that we can trust God's ways are good by looking at who has given them. And as we look at these, as we look at these verses, we can see how that helps us now. And I want us to, to see an overarching principle here that leads to a couple questions. So first, an overarching principle of how God's past faithfulness in present empowers our faithfulness in the present. And the overarching principle is this, that our pain is not wasted. God never leaves us. He is always with us. He is always up to something, even when we can't see it. It may have been easy for the Israelites to look back at their time in the wilderness and wonder, was this all worth it? Was this just a giant waste of time? They might have thought so many of our friends and family died. They might have thought that our life was put on hold for 40 years. We were about to go into the land and then we have to wait for so long. What's up with that? They might have longed for what they had before they were wandering in the wilderness. We see all those things as we look at the people of Israel. But as we think about that, we should also look at what Moses says in verses two and three. He suggests that despite all this, through all this, God was the one who led them through all these things. He says that God was leading them this whole time. He said that God humbled them with a, a purpose. If we look at how God is at work and how he is, is with us, we can know that our pain will not be wasted. That's the overarching principle of these two verses as he says that he, he humbled them that a result might ensue. And so if we look more closely at that, we can discover two questions this passage asks of us. In verses two to five, the word know is repeated five times. Moses wants the people not to know, not just intellectually, but as we see in verses two and in verses five, he wants them to know experientially in their hearts. So what does God want us to know? He wants us to know the frailty of our hearts and the reality of human nature. And each of these leads to questions. So verse two, first, the frailty of our hearts. Verse two says, God led them through their wilderness with the result that they would be humbled, knowing that they might know what was in your heart, whether you would keep their commandments or not. And after 40 years in the wilderness, Israel is more than familiar with the frailty of their own hearts. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to remember a few of the times they doubted God or wanted something else way more than him. 
So earlier in Deuteronomy 4, Moses talked about how when they were ready to go into the promised land, it seemed, they listened to the spies who said, the people who live there are huge, they're powerful, we can never take this land. And they doubted God. You also might remember the golden calf incident, which Moses will go on to relate in chapter 9 right after this. And they wanted something earthly and tangible to satisfy and guide them because their invisible God was taking too long. So the wilderness revealed the doubts and desires of their own hearts in ways that they perhaps not had known before. So the question for us this morning, as we seek to trust experientially the goodness of God in our own wilderness, is how has our seasons of wilderness revealed the frailty of our own heart? What do you now know about yourself that you did not know before this all started? One thing this season has revealed in my own life is how easily I numb myself with social media or TV shows or news or sports or anything to keep me from looking at the depths of my heart and anything from facing the mess that my life can be. What do you now know that you would not have known before? That's the first question that we can ask as God wants us to know about the frailty of our hearts. But God also wants us to know about the reality of our human nature. Another result of this humbling is that, as we see in verse three, that Israel might know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. Notice that Moses didn't say Israel or God's people. He didn't say Israel does not live by bread alone. He says man does not live by bread alone. And the word for this is Adam, which gives us the name for Adam. It refers to all humanity, not just to Israel. This is a universal of human nature. And this universal saying is not trying to suggest that we don't need food as much as it's trying to say we need much more than only food. We are sustained not only by what we put in our mouths, but by also what comes out of God's mouth. We need food, yes, but we also need God's grace, his promises, and yes, even his commandments. And so the second question we have to ask ourselves as we walk through our own wilderness to more deeply trust God in it is how has this revealed the depth of my dependence upon God? For me, one of the ways this has looked is how it's, it's, it's revealed an underlying desire to perform or to cling to comfort. And it requires me to trust that as I face these things and face the discomfort that comes in them, I have to depend that God is going to be at work and God is going to bring renewal in my life. That's been one of the ways that I have had to depend more on God in this season. How has this season led us or even forced us by stripping other things away to trust in him as we could not have before? That is the second question that we can ask ourselves as we look at this overarching principle of how God is not wasting our pain. Now, if we stop there, we might think, how are these things 
going to help me trust God in the here and now in a way that I feel in my guts. Because if we look at how maybe I don't view the commandments of God the way God does, if we think, man, I've looked at my human heart, I've looked at my own heart in this, and it's worse than I had imagined. If we see, man, I need to depend on God a lot more than I had. I was very uh, trying to do things my own way. How can this lead to us having a settled trust of, of God? And we have to continue in the passage to get there. In verse five, Moses tells us another thing that he wants us to to know. He renews his commandment to Israel. Oh, I just got ahead of myself. Um, So, yes, so he tells them again to know in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God is disciplining you. The frailty of our hearts and the reality of our human nature reveal the constancy of God. Despite all this mess that we've seen in our own hearts, God still sees us as his children. He still treats us as his daughters or as his sons. The phrase in your heart is used two times in this passage. And I don't think it's an accident that the first time in verse two reveals just how far we can fall. And the second time in verse five speaks to how far God will go to help us grow up into the daughters and sons that he has called us to be. During those years of hardship, Israel was still well taken care of despite all their doubts. If we look at verse four, we see that their clothing did not wear out and their bodies stayed healthy. God gave them what they need through all of that. And he worked through this hardship and through their doubts and through their frailties and through their own human nature to bring them to a place of greater maturity, to help them know in their hearts his fatherly care for them. And seeing that brings verse six as a logical conclusion. Because the people of Israel have seen time and time again in the wilderness how God has been faithfulness to them, they can know that right now, here in the present, they can trust him and walk in his ways. But here's the thing. If you remember at the beginning of this, the second half of this chapter says that this promised land was a blessing that would turn into a trial. It was a trial because it tempted the people of Israel to forget about how they needed God when they went through the wilderness. And indeed, they did forget. They they forgot once they got comfortable. They forgot about the constancy of God. They forgot about their own human nature and their own human hearts. They started to look elsewhere instead of God to make things be okay. And as a result of that, God took away their land. He took away this thing that he seemed that he had been promising them. But Moses said this would happen. If we read ahead to chapter 30 and verse 6, he says that after all this is done, the reason why you couldn't in your heart trust God experientially is because you needed a new heart. And he said that after all this was done, 
God will come gather you back into this good place that he had prepared for you and he will give you a new heart. And that is what he did through Jesus. The, the verse where it says that man does not live on bread alone but by every word of God. Jesus, as you might remember, he quoted that when he went through his own wilderness, when he went through the wilderness that we all have lived through such that he can bring us into the good place that God has prepared for us, such that we can have a new heart that trusts in him, that trusts in him in our guts. And so unlike the people of Israel, we don't just get to look back at how God was faithful to Israel in their wanderings. We get to see how Jesus came and lived with us suffered with us and for us such that we might have a new heart that can trust God in ways that the people of Israel could never have dreamed of. But we still can use the lessons of the people of Israel to look back, look back at how God was faithful to the people of Israel, look back at how God was faithful to us in his son. And as we see that, we see that what lies before us is far better than the promised land that he was preparing for the people of Israel. In verses seven, he talks about what this land is going to to be like. He says that this land will have water, but Jesus says that he is the living water and if we drink of him, we'll never thirst again. He talks about a land that will have bread, but Jesus says that I am the bread of life. I can give you things that you can't get from this world. I can provide you with what you need in terms of bread, but also the bread that your soul needs. And as we go on in in verse seven, it, it talks about how this isn't a land of scarcity, but a land of abundance. And Jesus says he came that we might be full, that we might have life to the fullest, that we might know all of what we were made to live for. And then in verse nine, he talks about how the stones are iron and copper, and that might sound weird, but the time when this was written was somewhere probably between 12 and 1400 BC, which corresponds to either the tail end of the late Bronze Age and the early end of the Iron Age. And so he's saying the things that y'all are using to uh, to, to protect yourself, I'm providing those. I'm providing those for you. I am your good shepherd. So we can see all these and see in a way that Israel could not have imagined how God has been faithful to us time and time and time again to his people and how he's done that in Christ. And so what we can do is make a daily habit of looking at our each day and see, gosh, how has this day revealed the depths of my own heart? How has it revealed the depths of my human nature? And how has it invited me to trust in him in ways that I cannot have trusted in him before today? And as we do this day by day, trusting that Jesus has given us this new heart and he's reforming that heart, we'll begin to not every day, not all the time, but more and more trust that God will be faithful to us no matter what our circumstances are. And we can come to the end of verse 10 where we bless the Lord and thank God for all the goodness that he has shown us. So may we look back at the past faithfulness of God to obey and trust him, be faithful now 
as we look towards the good future that he has secured for us and is working even now. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that our hearts are weak. We acknowledge uh, that we want the wrong things. God, we acknowledge that we need you. So God, help us to see the ways in which you are inviting us to trust in you this next week and show us in your, not scarcity, but in your abundance, how you are offering us on ramps, God, to trust you, to have our hearts shaped into being hearts that know in our, the core of our being that you love us and that you are for us. We ask all of this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.